Hello and welcome back to the Golden Hurricast. Uh, if you don't know, we are an independent weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane Athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token. I'm Matt Rexine. And it is officially game week for TU. Tulsa takes on Oklahoma State, uh, the Cowboys, this Saturday at 6.30 p.m. in what will be the opening game for both programs. We bring in Philip Slavin for some perspective on OSU this year. Philip runs the 1012 podcast. He writes for OSU's SB Nation site, which is called Cowboys Ride for Free. And I'm pretty sure he also does some big other Big 12 writing as well. Uh, we will talk with him later today and uh, and get the for sure notes on all of that. But very much looking forward to talking with him. Um, we also will be doing our overall kind of football season preview today, discussing Tulsa's strengths, weaknesses, uh, some of their unknowns, who we think breakout players might be, um, run through the season real quick, give some record predictions, and plenty more. So uh, lots to get to this week, so let's jump in. Stay golden. Hurricane. Okay, so before we get into kind of the breakdown of the season, the Tulsa's offense, defense, special teams, um, diving into some parts of that, just some just some notes to catch up on uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, the season is going to look significantly different than it would have looked originally. Uh, we have 10 games at this point. Two of them uh, obviously were canceled. The game that was supposed to be on Saturday, um, what was that? The, what is that? The, the fifth? Yeah. yeah. Um, that was, that was supposed to be against Toledo at home would have been our home opener. And that one obviously was canceled, did not happen this weekend. And then, uh, the other game was another home game against FCS team, Northwestern state, uh, the demons. I think if I remember that right, I was pretty excited to play a team called the demons, but that one also not happening. So 10 games, um, four of which are home and six are away. Uh, so a little bit rough, uh, looking at the home versus away schedule there. Yeah. Especially cause you drop like what should have been two of our most winnable home games. I know like Toledo is uh, supposed to be decent this year in the Mac, but like now the only home games we have are like Cincinnati and SMU and Tulane and who's our East Carolina. That, that should be a win. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah. Whenever you have more away than home, it's not, not an ideal situation, especially when you lose an FCS team that hopefully would have been a win. You never know, I guess these days, but uh, and then Toledo, like you said, pretty strong team recently, um, but would have been a good one, a fun home opener for sure. We've been, you know, home and home with them for a while now, so uh, bummer to lose that one. Uh, related to those games getting canceled, we've also had a couple players opt out, not as many as uh, some members of the conference looking at primarily UCF. I think UCF had like nine or ten uh, opt out recently. Um, we only have two, only one of which was a starter that got any any noticeable amount of playing time last year, and that is Xavier Gadlin. I hope it's hope I'm getting that name right. I have heard it so many times. I've heard him like give an interview where he explains how to say it. It might be Xavier. I'm pretty sure it's Xavier. Um, so if that's wrong, I'm sorry. Uh, but his last name is Gadlin, and he was going to start at what was it? Right tackle. Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. So yeah, he is out. So that's a starting O lineman that is not going to be there for us this season. 
Um, I think Matt mentioned it was Dante Bivens that we were mostly looking at for taking over, possibly Sorry. Tiller yeah, Buckterot. Left, left guard, he was on the right side, but he moved over. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. I remember reading that. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, Dante Bivens and or, I guess not and or, but Dante Bivens or um, Tiller Buckterot possibly replacing him. And then uh, the other player opting out this season is Marcus Mays, who's a safety, uh, who I don't think got any playing. I don't think he played at all last season in his sophomore year. Um, so not a loss in terms of playing time there, but who knows what his uh, what what his plans might have been for this season had had he played. So those are kind of the big changes um, that are COVID related for this season. Um, but yeah, we have a game this week. We have we kick off against Oklahoma State. That is this coming Saturday, September twelfth, six thirty p.m. Um, I think the TV channel is still up in the air, though. I did see something um, saying it was more than likely ESPNU. It was going to be between ESPN, like headlining ESPN One or ESPNU, and then uh, it was Sam Lazarus I saw on Twitter was pissed off about. Um, LeBron James stealing our ESPN primetime spot, which I assume means that since the Lakers beat Houston yesterday in the playoffs, um, that game five is now happening, which is supposed to be the same day as our game against uh, Oklahoma State. And so I think that's going to be the ESPN game. <laughs> They're not going to put TU versus Oklahoma State over uh, the Lakers versus Houston. I mean, maybe you can call me biased, but I know which one I would rather watch. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Man. Like, I'm so excited. We're 21-point underdogs. I don't want to get too far into uh, Oklahoma State. We've got a guest, like I mentioned, coming on, Philip. Uh, so we'll talk to him about all things OSU later. So I don't want to dive too far into that. But we are 21-point underdogs there, which is a number to keep an eye on for sure as the week gets closer. Um, some other just general notes we do that are kind of overall season related. Um, we do have a pretty tough opening, <laughs> opening to the year. Uh, three of our opening games are top 25 opponents, which is pretty scary. Obviously, Oklahoma State, and then you've got Arkansas State as our second game. We have two weeks off in between OSU and Ar- Arkansas State, so hopefully that benefits us um, in some way. That will be our fourth game, or that'll be Arkansas State's fourth game. So kind of worried that they'll have way more, you know, game experience, you know, ready to go. And we will have one, probably, possibly a beatdown. They'll be exhausted. Like their season That's, will yeah. be almost halfway over at that point. <laughs> yeah, we're so just, we're fresh. That is the other argument for sure. Like we have two weeks to prepare. We should be fresh, you know, totally ready for them. Um, but we will have much less, you know, kind of the kinks worked out by that point. Uh, but we are super mature on offense, at least. Anyways, don't want to get too far into that either. Um, but yeah, and then the third game uh still an away game all these first three have been away and uh the third game is october 3rd that's at ucf who obviously is also ranked um i think they've been ranked in the preseason poll the last three years obviously they're a powerhouse the powerhouse of the conference um so that's going to be a tough one and then finally we come back home on october 17th uh, more than a month from now for our first home game and that is versus another ranked team cincinnati so man just a brutal uh opening to the season but should be fun for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting just looking at the schedule. I think um, based on last year, like these teams, looking not just at those top, those first four, but overall, like they had a 600 per- like winning percentage, you know, like 60% yeah. on the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we went like two and six against teams that we played uh, last year that are on this year's schedule. So it's definitely, it is not an easy schedule and part of that is just i mean you look at the depth in the american in general and like the only game that i would say is like oh you know no no sweat about it is like south florida at this point because even ecu like we rolled 
over them last year, like 669 yards of offense, <laughs> like blew them out. But they still have like what could arguably be the best quarterback in the like in the conference, could if be. not like better. Yeah. Um, and so that being said, I mean, last year we went four and eight, and we had the I think it's so the highest strength of schedule in the quote. Outside the Power Five, Sorry, the quote was around the Power Five, not outside, right? Because um, there's no such thing as the Power Five, as we all know. Yes, we had Power Six the, for life. We had the hardest uh, strength of schedule, like outside those. What are they? Autonomous Five, as they go. There you go. Um, and so, even with that, we went four and eight, and we were very close, as we all remember, to beating SMU, to beating uh, who was Memphis, Memphis, yeah. and Cincinnati. Uh, and, yeah, so we could have. Easily gone six and six, potentially seven and five, and gone bowling last year. And I mean, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, and you can't just say like, well, if you know these things had gone. But those were like <laughs> literally single decisions. Yeah. Like I feel like SMU came down to maybe like there was a penalty that wasn't called. I feel like SMU that, came down to many bad decisions in right. the fourth quarter. <laughs> but you could have. I mean, yeah. I feel like a single play would have changed. Yeah. It. Like no, you're they, right. If they hadn't. If they had actually called one of the offensive penalties that SMU committed, we would have gotten the ball and been able to kill it. Memphis, if we could just hit a damn field goal, I know. we would have won that game. But would we have gotten Tyler Tipton had we hit that field goal? Because he committed um, that day. or he signed, or his, his official visit was the Memphis game. So he was on campus watching the game where we were playing with future conference champion Memphis, and then we lose because of a missed field goal. I think he signed that day. Damn. Or at least he got offered. I don't remember what it was, but he was here for official. I wonder if I wonder if Philip just like walked over and be like, "Hey, <laughs> yeah. here's an offer." Right. Uh, so yeah, that's a. I feel like just general notes that I have. I've got you know a lot more to talk about, but if we want to like move into yeah specifically like offense at this point. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so we've got we're gonna we're gonna take this offense first and then defense, and we're gonna talk about what we think is the offense's top strength, their top weakness, and then unknowns. And we're, we're going to do the same thing for defense, and then we will move on from there. So um, let's start with offense. Um, offense has a lot of firepower this year. It's going to be tough to pick pick a strength, honestly, and, and a weakness. I mean, the weakness may be, may be a little easier, but 88% of the offense is returning this season, which is good for a fourth in the FBS. Uh, big time, proven playmakers all over the field. The big loss, really, like... The only significant loss, I would argue, um, Keenan Johnson. I don't, I, we may have lost a good O lineman. I, I can't remember who graduated there. I was looking at it earlier today, but I don't have it in my notes here. That was Chris Ivy. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, yeah. So, we, we lose Chris Ivy and Johnson because they both graduated, and then Gadlin opting out. Yes. It's just, that makes, I feel like the hole in the offensive line a little more. Uh-huh. I, you know, that was, they were very young last year, though. They were very young. And so to lose somebody, like Gadlin started all 12 games last year. Yeah. Um, and so to lose that and yeah, put in somebody who doesn't have even that experience, like that kind of sets us back to like, oh, we're young and young this year now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, but before we get to the weakness, which you may be able to guess uh, from that, my uh, my pick, at least, for the top offensive strength. And, man, there are, there are a lot of, I mean, lots of strengths on offense. You can go down the line, really. Um, but I am picking quarterback as going to be the top strength. Zach Smith returning. Um, he's a senior this year. It's a senior season. No quarterback battle in the offseason. It's the first time uh, that Tulsa has had the same starting quarterback as the previous year 
since 2016 when Dane Evans was still the guy um, after that. And I think the first time we haven't had a quarterback battle since then as well. Um, so big time returning guy in big arm quarterback Zach Smith. Uh, some notes on him from last year. Passed for over 3,000 yards. Um, his kind of, I don't know, his probably weakest point was his completion percentage, 57.3%. That was good for 86th in the country last year. Not ideal, uh, so he's got to get that up. Uh, Fun fact, though, did you know that of all the quarterbacks in the American, the one with the worst completion percentage, do you know? Take a guess. You'd be surprised. Don't guess like a bad one. Okay, I was going to say Shane Bouchelet. No. Okay. Bouchel. I know. Oh, Pat Fox, yes. (laughs) Um, R.I.P. Okay, then would it be Ehlers? No. One more guess. Um... Mm. Oh, who's the, uh, oh, I forget his name, Russo, Anthony Russo. No, but, ah, that is a good one. No, it was uh, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, who, you know, obviously, they uh, they played in the conference championship game last year. His was at 55%. So, yeah, I mean, their offense was not what they were dominating <laughs> yeah, teams. Exactly. Um, yeah, so Ritter's back. But, yeah, uh, Zach Smith, 57% completion rate, got to get that up. Um, he did throw 19 touchdowns compared to nine interceptions, which is obviously a pretty good stat there. And then uh, his other kind of big weakness that we talked about over and over again last year was he just holds on to the ball for a long time. And he talked about that in an interview. I think it was on the Eye of the Hurricane podcast with Bruce Howard and Jeremy Poplin and those guys. And he talked about how he's worked on it all summer. He knows it's an issue, which is, I mean, that's good. I would expect him to know that, but it's good that he, you know, vocalizes it and talks about it. But yeah, just took too many sacks, and especially with an inexperienced offensive line like we had last year. Hopefully, with uh, the work he's put in on that, compared with the slightly more mature O line we have this year, um, we are allowing fewer sacks. But I'm super pumped about Zach Smith. I think he's a just got a big time NFL style arm. I really like his game. Love how confident he is to stay in there in the pocket, regardless of whether he takes sacks because of that. Uh, he's not freaking out in there. He's pretty calm. Um, I think that's the the top overall returning uh, strength going on for 2020. Yeah. Um, so I share pretty much all the same sentiments of that. Um, I think just an overall returning strength is just how we have o- almost all of our offensive weapons coming back. Um, and I think even losing, so like the only um, like playmaker, I guess, that we would lose would be Keenan Johnson. And mm-hmm. I think the wide receiving core that we have is well equipped to absorb that loss uh, and just spread it out. Yep. Because Zach Smith was already, uh, I feel like, throwing it around a lot more than we had seen previously, um, like including running backs. We had tight ends going in there. And so Keenan Johnson had 16% of Zach Smith's targets last year which was good for third or fourth on the team. He was actually behind Josh Johnson. Um, And again, so just caveat, these are all when ESPN attributed who the intended target was. Like there are eight passes that went to blank um, (laughs) type stuff. But I think we're well-equipped to like handle that on that, on like absorb those yards. And then like we have all our running backs coming back and – yeah, it comes down to the line. Zach Smith is going to have to play with an inexperienced line and like be above that because some quarterbacks can hold on to the ball and not face repercussions because their line will give them time. Mm-hmm. Our line in the past has not been great at giving a lot of time, and so it forces you to get rid of it quick, and that's a, been a fault of his in the past. Yeah, 
we can't we're not going to win a lot of games if we're giving up sacks on eight percent of our dropbacks like that's not good (laughs) so but smith is the playmaker it's going to be he's he's i guess the uh is the catalyst to make our offense work. And if we're going to win games this year, it's going to be on the strength of our offense. It's going to be on the strength sure. of Zach Smith over anybody else. Yep, totally agreed. You want to take away, uh, kick us off our weakness here? Yeah, so um, if you, uh, this might not be surprising, but I think it's our offensive line. <laughs> um, and part of that is I'm blending into your next question, which uh, I guess is unfair. It's There's some unknowns on the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously we were going to have one, uh, have to just have to replace Chris Ivy, but now we're going to have to replace Gadlin as well. And so that hurts just some of the depth that we had last year. And so I think they haven't even named, according to the Tulsa world at least, they don't have a starter listed, listed for left tackle right now. It uh, looks like it's between Tyler Smith, who's a freshman, and Jaden Muskrat, who's also a freshman. Dang. So it's going to be wow. an experience on the left side. But then you have Dante Bivens will be filling in for Gadlin. Which kind of surprised me. I would have thought Buck Trot uh, would yeah. take that just because he's a senior and he's right. got experience. But I think Buck Trot, if I remember, he started last year and then was pulled um, <laughs> after a couple games. Then you got Gerard Wheeler, Dylan Couch, and Chris Paul. And so the right side, so like some from center to right, that's going to be. I think that's our strong side. Um, but it's the left side right now is where I'm a little concerned, just because they don't have that experience. Um, and they are, let me see, do they have the weights listed? Yeah, so I guess big guys. I mean, Tyler Smith's 330 pounds. Mus- Jaden Muskrat's only 280. Uh, so we have the size on it, but, you know, size can get beat by experience, mm-hmm. especially like I was reading something, OSU, I mean, they're Big 12, and so defense is not that conference's strong point, but OSU claims they have a dynamic Big 12 defense. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> that goes. Um, and so it's not just protecting Zach Smith, though. It's like our run game is entirely dependent on how line, how well our offensive line is going to go. And so, like last year, uh, we had 397 total rushes um, by our running backs, by our top three running backs. And so that's Shamari Brooks, Corey Taylor, and TK Wilkerson. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't include Zach Smith runs because. I feel like half the time those are actually sacks. Yeah. Counted as rushes. Right. Uh, and so of those, 30% of the time, our offensive line gave our running backs like an opportunity, uh, which is which means they, like you get an opportunity if you get more than two yards on a run because those first kind of one to two yards are generally attributed to like how well your offensive line is pushing. Mm-hmm. And so 30% is not a lot i mean that's just 120 total plays for it went for 600 highlight yards that's not a lot and like part of we need our running backs to be electric yeah and in order for that to happen we need our offensive line to be like winning battles in the trenches and i don't know if that's going to be the case or not. <laughs> yeah no I, I agree with you i've got o-line as our our top offensive weakness as well um, yeah, you mentioned Gerard Wheeler. He's back at center um, after you know. I remember last year he didn't start it. He didn't start the year at center. It was Dylan Couch, and Dylan Couch kept kind of botching the snaps. It was. I'm pretty sure it was like after Michigan State they was, made this. Oh, was it only like, the one game? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. that game was pretty bad. Like yeah. you had two. You had the safety and the 
touchdown. Oh, God. Yeah, that's right. They were both just, like, <laughs> bad snaps. Yeah, so Wheeler took over, I guess, yeah, after that one game. And then he started at center, I th- I'm pretty sure, the rest of the season. I think he was there yep. every game, yeah. Um, so Dylan Couch, um, good player to have on the line, for sure. He's a big dude, 6'3", 300, or 299, I guess. Um, and then you've got Gerard Wheeler, who's 6'3", 331. Uh, we've got a lot of other big dudes, too. I don't know how big Dante Bibbins is, but Chris Paul is 6'4", 332 pounds. Tyler Smith is 6'5", 332. I mean, these are big-time, like, big dudes on the line. Um, so that looks good, at least. I thought you were going to say something. I was just going to – Bivens is listed as 6'3", 324. So nice. kind of in the same – Yeah, man. Ballpark. So, like, size-wise, we're there where we need to be. Um, just depends, you know, maturity level. Are we, are we there yet? Um, and that's more, kind of an unknown kind of going into the next one, but – I'm going to put it as a weakness for now. My guess is it ends up being a weakness uh, throughout the year. Hopefully they improve, keep getting better. Hopefully with another year playing with Zach Smith, everybody's kind of on the same page in terms of how long they really need to hold for him to get the ball out, things like that. So hopefully that goes on. And just to be clear, I don't I don't think we're really in too bad of a spot with the offensive line. It just the offense has a lot of strong suits. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is the, the biggest weakness there, uh, which is a good thing. You know, we've got a lot. It's, it's tough to pick a weakness on on the offensive side. Um, in terms of the unknowns, uh, I have our tight end position as the biggest unknown, which even like, I feel like you could put tight end at the unknown spot, even if we had like an incredible player at tight end, because we just hardly, it's so random how we use them. I feel like there's no form or function to how, how they get used. Like we, so Denzel Carter was kind of the primary tight end last year. He's gone. Um, had six catches for 60 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> Returning this year, we have James Palmer, who I assume is going to be the starter. Uh, he had four catches for 81 yards. You also have MVP Ethan Hall, who scored touchdowns on 100% of his catches last year, one for one, for a 39-yard touchdown. So very excited. That, you know, he's coming back. Um, and then you got to remember, like, he's not playing this year, but uh, – We've got uh, Grayson Boomer, who, you know, OSU transfer and younger brother of um, second-string quarterback Seth Boomer, and Grayson will have to sit out this year after transferring. And then you also, coming in from a recruiting land, um, two new signees at tight end in Jacob Kaner and Bain Tryon, both of which look to be pretty talented tight ends. So who knows what's going to happen with tight end. I assume Denzel Carter is going to be the starting guy. Uh, maybe it's the, one of these freshmen. Maybe Ethan Hall's one-for-one touchdowns. Palmer, not Carter. Carter's gone. Did I say Denzel Carter? Oh, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. I assume James Palmer is going to be the, the starting guy. He's the um, one listed. Okay, there you go. On Tulsa Worlds. Yep. Death chart. Sweet. Yeah. So that would make sense. Um, but who knows? Like maybe Ethan Hall is legit and he's just going to score touchdowns every time he catches the ball like last year. Maybe Jacob Kaner, Bain Tryon steps up and takes over the num- the tight end number one spot. So who knows? Uh, tight end is super weird spot for us this year like it is most years, I think. Um, next year, I think it'll be a little bit more concrete. I assume Grayson Boomer will be the starter, four-star guy, um, coming out like right here in Oklahoma. So I'm super pumped that he's on the team, but who knows, uh, for this season. So I have that as our biggest unknown. Um, so I guess my biggest unknown, as I talked about, it's kind of, I have both the line and the tight ends. Um, and part of that is because to me, it seems like a lot of times they go together, um, because at least last year, and I think this is part of the reason why our tight end game was like so uh, eclectic on when it would they'd be like available in the passing game, mm-hmm. was we needed to help out the line with our tight ends, like as an as like a sixth guard yeah. kind of thing. 
Um, and so you saw a lot like Denzel Carter had that role in the first half. And then as the season went on, it kind of transitioned to James Palmer ended up taking the majority right. of the tight end snaps, um, which is, I kind of think why Denzel Carter ended up uh, leaving just because Palmer was pushing him out. And then there's yeah. just so much depth coming in. Uh, so we have like a lot of de- tight end depth, but it's just, how are we going to use it? That's yeah. the question. Like, are we going to have them line up as like an extra receiver i kind of assume that they're going to be similar like primarily used as blockers um especially like on the left side right now just because that's kind of a big unknown (laughs) totally so i guess we'll find out um you know this week obviously but yeah those are kind of my unknowns just kind of i guess we're on the same wavelength for the most part yeah and like like i mentioned with the strengths they're just all over the place we you know you could eat Either of us, I think, could have easily made a strong argument for wide receiver or running back being the strength of the team this year. Probably running back would be probably a stronger case than wide receiver, but man, I don't know. We got some serious talent on the receiver side, too. Like Keelan Stokes and uh, Sam Crawford, both back this season, number one and two from last year. Um, Stokes is going to, he's a, it's a senior season, going to lead the group, led the group last year, 62 catches for 1,040 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, Sam Crawford, his junior year this year, um, last season, he had 59 catches for 777 yards at the jackpot on that, five touchdowns. And then Josh Johnson, um, the junior, transferred from – was it Iowa State? Is that where he came from? I'm blanking. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's Iowa State. Uh, double check on that for me. Okay. Uh, he had 44 catches, 495 yards, and one touchdown. So all those guys are back. Um, and then you've got Juan Carlos Santana, J.C. Santana, and I really think he's going to have a big year this year too. So you got four um, receivers who I think are really solid. Uh, Josh Stewart is in the mix there too, who – like honestly i thought he would be kind of made more of a name for himself at this point i think he's gonna be is he a senior this season Mm -hmm. yeah so like we just have so much depth there i think most other years uh josh or josh stewart would be like more of a headlining guy but um you know that's a good problem to have so i think we're really strong at receiver uh what was the it was iowa state iowa state for josh johnson okay cool and then, like, same deal with running backs. Like, both of our – 100% of our carries are back this season. We, we lost nobody um, unless there was, like, a weird – I don't know, like a receiver. Did Keenan Johnson ever take, a like, a running, like a, a snap in the backfield or yeah, something? I think it was just Keenan Stokes uh, yeah. on the wide receiver side. Yeah. So, all of a sudden, you've got the one-two punch back who of seen, two seniors in your backfield now with Shamari Brooks and Corey Taylor. Can't believe Shamari Brooks is already a senior. That seems like that flew by. Um, but man, that is going to be a serious problem. Assuming the line can help them out a little bit. Brooks last year, 227 carries for 1,046 yards, six touchdowns. Also a very weird stat. All of our like primary running backs had six touchdowns last year. Nobody had more or less than anybody else. Corey Taylor had 119 carries for 461 yards and six touchdowns. And all, even TK Wilkerson came in 52 carries only six of which ended up being touchdowns. So 220 yards for that guy. And then uh, last year we had a true freshman who played, you know, only played in four games or so, so he was allowed to keep his red shirt. But Chris Lovick, uh, it seems like the coaches are super high on him too. So expect him and TK to kind of take over the reins next season when Shamari and Corey Taylor are gone. Uh, But Chris Lovick had nine carries last year for 36 yards. So, I mean, you've got strength all over the offense. I'm really pumped to watch these guys kind of get into it. And we should put a lot of points on the board this year. If we don't, there's, I mean... Something seriously wrong. We have every piece of the puzzle that has kind of been here and know the system at this point. And Zach Smith um, was a missing piece last season, but coming off his first season back after sitting out for the year, after transferring from Baylor and all of that, 
Um, everything is kind of in place now, at least on the offensive end. So could not be more excited for the for what we're going to do on offense this year, I hope. Yeah, um, and one thing that I feel like we need to make a much stronger point uh, is also like discipline on the offensive side of the ball. Yes. Like if you Good. look at last year, Good we point. were the third most team, like third most penalized yeah. team in college football. Um, and a lot of that comes down to there were a lot of... Uh, Do you have those rankings up right now by chance? Uh, I did earlier. Was but, I think Cincinnati was yeah. one. So that was my nether, my <laughs> next point was going to be like, there's a caveat that like maybe it's the American refs suck yeah. because there are seven American teams in the top 20 most penalized teams. Damn, it's like seven. It's us, Cincinnati's like right behind us. Then you have Central Florida's there, South Florida, wow, Memphis, uh, Tulane, and Temple. We're all kind of like up there towards the top. So I mean, maybe part <laughs> part of it is like the American doesn't have great refs, or they're just yeah. like. Just, Blowing the whistle on everything. The Scott and Hallman um, podcast guys are like shouting, screaming yes to the high heavens right now. They just, they talk shit on the refs every day. Yeah, and so, but I mean, be that as you will, we're all under the same like system of refs True. and that. So you got to play to what they're going to call. Right. And so don't take as many like false start penalties for the love of God. Yeah. Like we don't need that. We don't need to shoot ourselves in the foot by going back an extra five yards every time. Like. <laughs> discipline like okay so pat has i i got a cat this past year and pat's like big thing has been like telling fable that he has to have discipline fable's the so, cat's name yeah fable is my cat and so two things have to happen this year my cat and tulsa's offense have to show discipline in order to have success <laughs> nice pat will appreciate that that's awesome um yeah totally agree lots of lots of questions but far fewer questions on offense than we have on defense so let's let's move to the defensive end here um, on defense, so on offense we had what eighty eight percent of our offense returning. Yes. So on defense, uh, it was thirty four. <laughs> so thirty four percent of the defense returning this year, only four of which are starters um, from last season. Uh, that is good for one hundred twenty fourth in the country. So that's a rough deal there. Uh, losing the likes of Travis Gibson to the NFL. Um, he's with the Bears. Reggie Robinson to the Cowboys. Cooper Edmiston, Manny Bunch, Diamond Cannon. I mean, the list goes on, all these guys. It's going to be tough to recover. We had some just absolute playmakers on the defense last season. Um, and it's going to be hard. Like, the four starters we have returning are big-time players. Don't get me wrong. Like, Zayvon Collins back, middle linebacker. Caleb Evans and Allie Green. I mean, possibly the best combo of corners in the conference. You can make an argument for a top 10, like, combo in the country, probably. Uh, Jackson player back on the line. So those are all some really good players who who had obviously ex- extremely meaningful minutes last year and got a lot done. But there is a lot that that does not apply to. Um, however, if you do, if you look at like the, uh, you know, proposed depth chart, um, at least looking at the players that are returning this year, you'll see a lot of names that, you know, uh, because we rotated a lot of guys in last year. So we have a lot of names that you'll you'll know. Um, a lot of players that got meaningful minutes last year. So it's not like we're starting from scratch from at all positions, but uh, it's just going to be tough to make up the lost starting minutes uh, that we did lose there. Yeah, I think if so, looking at the depth chart, the only guy uh, that didn't see a lot of time last year, uh, he's not even listed as a starter right now, uh, is Anthony Goodlow. Uh, uh, D-line? As, yeah, as yeah. A, I think he's a tackle. And so it's it's a battle between him and Devin Lamp uh right now and i think goodlow played on he, he like played special teams last year but didn't see much was uh good is he a sophomore yeah okay yeah and then lamp is a junior so and i mean right now the that is like we have 
Like you, you don't have Gibson, but you still have Colin Wick. You still have Jackson Player, uh, Anthony Goodlow, Devin Lamp, uh, and then you got Tyrese Stevenson, mm-hmm. senior coming back. So I mean, there's Big cat. De- there's depth on that on that line. It's just they will always be hampered by the fact that we run a three three five. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, I totally agree. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be weird. Uh, the something I noticed when looking at. Um, Tulsa World's depth chart from last year, from 2019, before the season opened up, who they thought would be the starters and the headlining guys. Um, they they had Reggie Robinson as a Caleb Evans backup, and then like obviously Reggie ended up being the, the you know CB one drafted by the Bears. Uh, it's just crazy how much talent we had at corner last oh, year. Cowboys. Uh, yeah, Cowboys. I keep mixing that up. Um, but it is for real. Like our DBs specifically at corner um, are just incredible. So very very fun thing there. Um, do you want to start off with strength, or you want me to start it off? Uh, I will start off with strength. I think it's, I'm well, I'm sure we'll agree. Is, is yours the secondary or limited to the corner? Corner specifically. Yeah, so I just did uh, secondary in general, um, and part of that is because, in my opinion, our secondary is always a strength based on the scheme that we run. Like that three three five is really good at limiting opposing team's quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So if you look at last year, we ended up only allowing 209.7 yards per game. Like that equates to 2,500 yards of passing allowed, yeah. which was only 300 more than rushing, <laughs> which says something about how many rushing uh, are bad run defense. Right. But part of that is like, I don't think we're going to have, like, I feel like a lot of people will look to this year and be like, well, your defense has taken a step back. So you're going to regress on that side. I think we will just because, I mean, we had two guys that are start like on 53-man rosters in the NFL mm-hmm. on our team last year, which is just wild looking yeah. back I on mean, it. what was it the first time since 94 or something yeah, like that? I can't remember the year. And so, I mean, yeah, our defense isn't as good, but I don't think it'll regress as much as people think. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the strength in that is our secondary. And like the 335, I think helps kind of disguise. Like, if there is weakness or we have like a weak point, you have that extra man back there yeah. to kind of help cover. But, I mean, we have Allie Green, we have a Caleb Evans, we have Christian Williams. I mean, these are all guys <laughs> that have been there like, for sure. playing for a while. And then I'm really high on Kendarren Ray uh, for this season. Like, spoiler, he is my defensive breakout player of this Ooh, season. Wow. Um, and he is, so like, he played. Off and on last year, he would uh, like rotate in and out in the safety position. And so yeah. between him and Tyneal Martin, like they weren't starters last year, but they have experience. And so I think our like that is our strength, and it will continue to be as long as Gillespie is our defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, for the most part, I, I totally agree. Uh, my my top defensive strength was I limit it to the corners um, for reasons I will get to later. But for the corners, yeah, you're totally right. Like Caleb Evans – um he's a junior this year we've got him back next year which is going to be incredible Allie green a senior the dude is just a big tall guy who locks you down i mean it's it's an incredible one-two combo at, at the corner spot um and even behind them at backup uh kind of you've got ryan nixon who's a sophomore who we saw bits of last year and a guy we saw a lot of last year because evans was out for a chunk of games um in tyon davis and so he's playing his junior season and i was like really excited i was i was super pumped about uh watching davis um as he came in to back up for a caleb evans last season so i think we are deeper than we've been at corner in a while and i think we are more talented uh probably the same amount of talented that we were last year at least um and so i expect to see i don't so 
I don't know. I was going to go in and say like how how I think Allie Green's going to be drafted, like Reggie Robinson was. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, he has to have a big year this year. Obviously, I think he's definitely got the potential to be a, a drafted corner. He's definitely got the size and the speed. Uh, but obviously, you got to put it together in your senior season. So we'll see how it goes. But we've got the talent there. Evans obviously is is a draftable talent as well. But he's got another year if he needs it. Um, so corner. I mean, we've got a ton of a ton of strength. Um, and so I'll, I'll translate there. I'll go to my I'll go to my unknowns next because that ties in a little bit better than going straight to the weakness. Uh, my unknowns are the other DBs, right? So our other secondary. Um, and I have a little bit of a different opinion than you, I guess, Matt. It's not too far off, but so like Ken Darren Ray, we were talking. You talked about him thinking he's gonna be kind of the breakout guy last year, and he was a freshman last season. I think he's. I think this is year as a sophomore year. Richard, yeah. Richard freshman, yeah. Um, and, you know, we watched him out there. He got a, a decent amount of playing time. And I don't know. He, I, I wasn't super high on him last year. He just looked he looked like a freshman, right? So, you know, who knows? Sometimes these players make just dramatic moves from freshman to sophomore year. I could totally see that happening for Ray. Um, just based on, totally based on the eye test. Uh, I wasn't super psyched about him, but who knows? Like, he could absolutely break out this year and prove me wrong. So, hopefully that does happen. And then Ty Neal Martin, like you mentioned, he... I feel like he barely played. I don't, I barely remember. I remember him being in there, but I don't think he saw much time. So he's another he's another relative unknown. Um, Christian Williams is an obvious strength at the. I think he played like the nickel spot, sometimes safety last year. Um, hopefully he can stay injury free. Um, but obviously he's a massive talent. Martin played two games and then got hurt last year. Okay, there you go. Yeah, um, yeah. Christian Williams. I mean, nothing. No complaints about him. He's a he's a killer athlete. He's gonna be he's gonna be good. And then Bryson Powers is back, and he looked good last year too. So it's kind of a mix in the middle um, with our defensive backs that aren't corners. So I think they've got a lot of potential to be really good. I think a lot of it is just unknown for the most part, specifically at the safety spot with Kendarren Ray and Tiny Martin. So I put them as my unknowns for that reason. Do you got, you want to do your unknowns, or you want to go to uh, weakness? Uh, I'll go to well, I'll go to unknowns just to keep it yeah the same. Um, so my unknown, I the big thing, and so I don't know. I took this maybe as a little different than like naming players or position groups. My unknown is: Will Joseph Gillespie adapt the, our defensive scheme based on the teams that we're playing? And like my, I would my thought right now is absolutely not, <laughs> yeah, right. because we didn't do that last year, yeah. even when we were playing teams that gashed yeah. us in the run game. And he even said, like he talked about doing it. And it's like, I guess that makes like play to your strengths, but right now, like. Outside of corners, if Ryan's right in our like the middle of our secondary, it doesn't end up being a strength. Like, then don't play the three three five. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to switch. I know that, but it's like when you're playing a team like Navy that just destroyed mm-hmm. us, or when you're playing the greatest running back in the country right now this Saturday. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, how are you gonna adapt <laughs> oh, our yeah. defense in order to stop that? He ran for two hundred something like plus yards against and, us. Like, it was, yeah, I think it was three hundred. Was it not? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe not. Four thousand. Honestly. <laughs> felt like it would just be like oh first down on their drive touchdown first play yeah Yeah. it was brutal and so like i feel we're gonna see that again saturday i think we're gonna see chuba hubbard run all over us it's terrifying and it's like thank goodness we're not playing memphis which is probably the best running uh team in our conference at least well outside of navy they lost gainwell though Right. I mean, but, they are I super mean, strong in the O-line. Rodriguez Clark is like, next, it's next man up. Memphis just has like, <laughs> they're, they seem like clones of like elite running backs. Just they are on a hot streak, that's for sure. And so, like, 
I don't know. That's the unknown. Mm-hmm. It's kind of known because he's not going to, but it should be an unknown <laughs> because we should do it. Like, yeah. We hey, should man. be slightly flexible. Like, I'm not saying, like, change the entire thing, no. but yeah. it's like, put an extra man up or have, I don't know, and somebody help in the run game. It, it's tough. Yeah. Which no. goes into my weakness. Yeah, go ahead. Which is run stopping. <laughs> yeah. um, that was a huge weakness yes. of ours last year. We allowed 182 yards per game. Uh, I said earlier, like 2,200 total yard, rushing yards allowed, uh, which, you know, silver lining, not as many passing yards, but, you know, kind of a bummer of a silver lining when these teams are running almost 200 yards <laughs> game on you yeah. and scoring at will. Um, this, is, this has been something we've been dealing with for at least – the last two years like our run defense has not been great Mm -hmm. and it's like even if you look back to 2016 2017 like even when we're good it's not like our we're good on the strength of our offense and our defense just has to play well enough not to lose games Uh, and so it's like our we've never been strong in the run defense side uh at least since i've been like watching tulsa football pretty closely right and so this is going to be something that again is going to hurt us and it comes down to the strength of, I think, our linebacking core. Uh, Will Zayvon Collins and Johansi Burnett and uh, Trayvon Reeves. Like, between those three who are going to be starting, somebody's got to be able to adapt to taking out, uh, you know, like a spy. Not even a spy, because it's not even quarterbacks that kill yeah. us, which I feel like two years ago. Yeah. Well, Wyoming, <laughs> it was sometimes. Right. Um, but, yeah, we got to have somebody there ready to stop the run or we're just going to get destroyed. Yep. Yeah, you're totally right. Run defense was is definitely the – seems like it's going to be the weakness once again, which is a bummer. You know, it's kind of part of the scheme. It's, uh, I feel like a 3-3-5 three, 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 is very much like a bend-don't-break kind of thing and let them run on you but eventually turn them over uh, or try to get some kind of stop. But I don't see it. I don't, I don't, I don't think we're going to be much improved there. Uh, my top weakness is just the D-line. So both my offensive and defensive line are the weaknesses, which is never good. Not a good thing uh, to have your lines be the weak point of both sides of your team. Um, but I could be wrong about the D-line, honestly. Uh, we have eight returning players on the D-line. It's not like we're losing all these guys. Obviously, we, we lost Travis Gibson, which you know had all of our sacks on the D-line last year. We have no returning sacks on the defensive line. Gibson had literally all of them. Uh, we had some sacks by linebackers, but none by uh, other people on the D-line other than Travis, and he's gone, right? So we have Jackson Player, um, who I love, loved watching him last year. He is super quick off the off the line. Uh, he's kind of an undersized guy, but he's definitely got the talent. And the problem is, if he's all we have this year and Colin Wick doesn't turn out to be the guy I think he can be, um, Player's going to get double teamed and we're shut down, right? Because we've only got three guys online. So that's going to be that's going to be tough. Uh, Colin Wick, like I, like I mentioned though, I think he could be really good. Um, he got some good playing time last year, but it's just hard to see like the, the D line actually being a strength for us in, in, in much of a meaningful way this season. I really hope I'm wrong. Cause I want one of our lines to be a, a powerful part of our defense. Like it was last year. Um, but I'm just not, not really seeing it at this point. Uh, but who knows, you know, we haven't seen him play a game. So, uh, there's a lot of guessing going on here. Uh, we do have Tyree Stevenson back, had a sack last year, but he didn't start. And I don't think last year, not even sure if he's starting this year. Um, and then who's the, oh yeah, Anthony Goodlow, like you mentioned, Matt. Um, he'll be, you know, he'll be in the mix at least, if not starting. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but I'm not not super thrilled about the D-line other than Jackson Player, who, you know, he's the only one we, we really, really know a lot about at this point, And I do really like him. So who knows how things are going to go outside of him. 
Um, and yeah, let's not forget, uh, we have a scholarship kicker as well. So I know that's not an offensive or defensive thing, but I wanted to bring him up. Uh, Tyler Tipton, um, going to be assuming, I mean, I thought he would be the starting kicker, but now Matt's telling me the Tulsa world is having, uh, did they, they listed long as the starting kicker. What's his name? Jake. Zach. Zach long. Um, yeah. So, wow. If he, if Zach long starts over our first Montgomery's first scholarship kicker. I mean, I understand he's a freshman. Maybe he's got some growing to do, but wasn't Jacob Rainey a freshman last year? We started him. Maybe he wasn't. I don't remember. Um, but man, like I totally was excited and thinking Tyler Tipton would be the starter, but who knows? Maybe, maybe Zach Long. I just want a good kicker. Don't really care who it is. Just want him to make some easy field goals. That's all I need. So hopefully. Oh, okay. So there is a note that it is a, uh, a competition for starting role. Okay. Nice. Um, Sorry, I misread the his Zach Long's name was in bold, but that just means he was the starter last year, which isn't <laughs> yeah. true. Right. Um, yeah. He was kind of a he's the he's the <laughs> only guy who played last year that's on our death yes. chart for place kicker. Yep, Rainey is gone. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Anything else you want to cover offense, defense, special teams wise before we get into breakout players? Uh no, I think I'm ready for these uh breakout players. Sweet. Locked and, I locked and loaded. always love talking about breakout guys because it's like, who's the up-and-comer, you know? Who's like the younger dude? Maybe not even a younger dude, but who's just the guy who ha- people might not know as much about but are going to explode this year? And, you know, it doesn't always have to be somebody <laughs> people don't know about. It could just be like, oh, you know, this guy's finally going to break out and get over 1,000 yards okay. received. You know, the more I've thought about this since since we destroyed you in the whatever podcast that was where you thought that Keelan Stokes was a breakout player. Destroyed is rich. Yes. Well, that's what happened. Um, the more I sort of agree, like I, yeah, Keelan Stokes. So for reference, if you didn't listen to last year's episode about breakout players preseason, Matt picked Keelan Stokes, who like had a great season before that as well. Not like the a thousand yard performance that he did last year. Um, but everybody knew who he was. Like everybody knew like he was going to be good, but no, I, no, but the more, like I said, the more I think about it, the more like he definitely did break out. Like he become, he became the number one wide receiver last year. So you had a point. Um, but yeah, I'll, uh, I'll let you kick it off in, in the, speaking of that. Okay. So this year I'm going with another wide receiver, um, Sam, Cro- no, not Sam. Cro- <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go Josh Johnson. Um, and so part of this is because I was talking about Keenan Johnson, uh, his targets are going to have to be absorbed elsewhere. And so I was like, uh, it was really tough for me. Cause I was like trying to decide between Juan Carlos Santana and Josh Johnson mm-hmm. on this. But I mean, he, Zach Smith was already hitting Josh Johnson more frequently last year. And so I think his numbers are just going to go up and that's going to really make our wide receiving core just like the three headed Cerberus that it is. You got Keelan Stokes, you got Sam Crawford Jr. And you have Josh Johnson, like pick your poison. One of them is going to get deep and burn you. Mm -hmm. And so if you got to be able to cover all three. And so I think Josh Johnson's really going to have a strong year this year. Um, So it being a 10 game season, uh, like I, I'm not going to say we'll have like multiple thousand yard receivers just because you lose two games yeah. for part of that. But right. I would say like Josh Johnson's going to have like six to 700 yards receiving. Nice. Yeah, that would be huge. It's, it's funny. Like I had the, I went through the same mental gymnastics than you did there basically. Uh, but I came to a different conclusion. So my, my offensive breakout player I have is a receiver, but I went with Santana. Mm, so okay, I'm so really actively in disagreement. With yeah. This. So this will be fun. Well, <laughs> a little competition going on here, but yeah, we are, like you mentioned, super deep at wide receiver this year, Stokes, Crawford, Josh Johnson, uh, Josh Stewart, etc. Um, but I think just based off of last year, I was a little bit turned off by Josh Johnson's hands. I, 
to me, it felt like he had a lot of drops. That's totally based on eye test. I, I don't know drop rate. I, I think we spent some time last year trying to find that stat somewhere, um, but nobody tracks it. It's like how often they act, like it hits their hands, but they don't catch it or something like that. Um, but it just felt like he was dropping some balls that more often than, than other receivers. So I do like him as a player. He's super quick, really fast, finds himself open a lot. Um, so I do like him out there. But I think Santana is actually going to end up being the number three uh after Stokes and Crawford. So we'll see what happens in the season, but I'm, I'm kind of psyched that we have alternating or a differing opinion on the uh, who's going to be the number three receiver this year. Cause I think we both, it would be surprising if Stokes and Crawford weren't one and two, but who's going to grab that number three. Uh, that'll be fun to watch for sure. Uh, so on the defensive end, who's going to be the breakout. I mean, I am loving, I, I really hope this happens. Cause I, I really am. I was, I initially picked Tyon Davis, right? The backup corner. And I think he would still qualify as a, as a breakout candidate because he didn't start last year, really, unless Green was hurt or Evans was hurt. Um, and I still am really high on Tyon Davis, but I am going to give my breakout player to the other backup corner in Ryan Nixon. Mm-hmm. That guy, I am I am convinced he's going to be really good. Uh, I give him the slight edge over Davis primarily because he's got the height advantage there, and I know our defensive backs coach are really like prioritizing height and length. Um over speed and quickness. And I don't know the speed difference between Nixon and Tyon Davis, but I I would bet that Nixon with when Green graduates last year and we don't have him, we're talking about this again. I think that Ryan Nixon's gonna be C B two after a Caleb Evans, assuming Evans doesn't go to the NFL this year also. But um yeah, I think I think Nixon's the guy. I'm really psyched about him. He did play a little bit last year and I thought he I thought he looked really good. Uh, so I think regardless we're in an incredible spot, uh cornerback wise. And I'm pretty psyched to watch Ryan Nixon out there, too. Okay, so uh, as everybody knows, like I said earlier, I picked Kendarren Ray uh, at the safety position. And so he played in all 12 games last year. He wasn't a starter. He was like a little more limited role. Um, During those games, though, he had 40 tackles, one and a half of them for a loss. Um, He broke up a pass. He had... Uh, as we all remember, the, quote, onside kick against SMU fumble recovery, <laughs> yeah, which yep, was, I, um, I like that it's called an onside kick because the returner muffed it in the end zone and we scored. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, this is, I'll say, like, the intangibles, um, fumble recoveries. He had three fumble recoveries. And you know, like, there's no rhyme or reason to like oh he's gonna have so many fumble recoveries it's like well forced fumbles is kind of the big one but you know three fumble recoveries that's hey man that's honestly a lot you got to be in the right spot at the right time that's like cooper always there yeah if he is always there ready for it uh that's good stuff and so i'm i won't even use my words to say why i think kendarian ray is gonna be our our, uh the breakout player so this is uh this is a quote from Philip Montgomery on September 4th. Ooh. This is this is last Thursday. Wow, juicy. I, I don't yeah. even know what this about is about safety. to be. About our safeties. Okay, so in Philip Montgomery's words, it will be hard to replace Manny Bunch and Brandon, Brandon Johnson at safety, but I believe Kendarin has a chance to be the best safety to ever come out of Tulsa. Whoa, man. So Philip Big Montgomery words. is really high on okay. Kendarin Ray. All right. And, I mean, I am too. Like, I think... I mean, this is like part of the reason why I said our overall secondary was our strongest because I'm pretty, I'm feeling pretty good about just the talent that we have back there. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, like you said, he played, like, he registered his freshman year, and so last year, like, his first game was against Michigan State. Like, that's the first college game he had played. So he's bound to make 
yeah. just some of the first year issues. And I think having a full extended off season um, and, you know, the lack of spring practice or like the limited amount of spring practices is going to hurt. But I think he's ready to break out and become our like star in Damn. the safety group. Okay. God, that's super exciting. I, I hadn't even seen that quote. You said that was out on the 4th? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just a few days ago. Nice. Uh, man, that is good stuff. Sweet. Okay, that gets me a little bit more excited about the, uh, obviously, about the, the secondary, not including corners, who we all know are going to be awesome. Yeah, and our secondary is, like, kind of huge. <laughs> yeah. They're all tall. Exactly. So that's my Ryan Nixon point right there. He's He's got three inches over uh, Tyon Davis. Can Darren raise 6'4", 200. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's pretty solid. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be fun to watch for sure. Um, okay, cool. Uh, you want to move on to schedule and record predictions and all that? Yeah, let's do it. Um, okay, so let's move on. We've got kind of one more main section to hit, uh, possibly two, uh, so we'll see. But the uh, something we definitely want to get to is the schedule, kind of overall outlook, and the record prediction for how we think we're going to do this year. So just as a reminder, the American scrapped divisions uh, after UConn left to not have a football season this season. So we we don't play Memphis or Temple this year, kind of a rotating uh, list of teams that we won't play due to the 11 teams, um, but we do get everybody else. So Memphis and Temple are the only American conference holdouts uh, for this season. So kind of breaking down game by game, uh, just thinking what we're going to do. Um, we'll start at OSU, obviously, this weekend, and we'll talk about this way more with uh, Philip, which I think we're going to actually put out in a separate episode. So do we want to go all me at once and then all you or do we want to do game by game let's do game by game okay sounds good so start with osu so that's this saturday uh like i said not going to go too far in depth because we'll talk about this plenty with philip um but surprise surprise i think that's a loss i'm not gonna not gonna predict the win for this one as much as i would like to there's just too much talent on that team uh for more info on that game in general listen to our episode with philip uh we'll talk about obviously the just massive amount of (laughs) incredible talent that they have at least on the offensive end um, and plenty more with him. So I'm going to chalk that as opposed to the loss. I'm not going to personally do score predictions because I think they're kind of pointless. Um, but Matt, if you want to go do them, feel free. Okay. Um, I don't know. Pat always used to give me grief because I would pick like scores and he'd just be like, that's not mathematically possible, <laughs> yeah. which is, you know, it's not the fun part. Right. Um, cause I feel like the main point of score predictions is, is just to like create a line. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Now I also view Oklahoma state as a loss. I mean, they have, the greatest running back and uh, possibly like the greatest wide receiver in the country. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're both all Americans, like preseason all Americans. So yeah, this is going to be. And their quarterback was a freshman last year. Yeah, and yeah. they beat us by like if anybody remembers, we were winning at halftime yeah, last year. One and point, right? Came, yeah, and then they came out and just like put three straight touchdowns, and we lost by twenty-one. <laughs> so was it twenty? I thought it was nineteen. Was it forty was to twenty-one? 40, I thought it was forty-two to twenty-one, but it might have been forty. I think it was 40. I hope it was. I, I didn't think we lost by 20. That's what I've been telling people at least. Okay. Check. Yeah, it was 40. Nice. Okay. Anyways, they came out in the second half and just blew us away, and it was miserable. Yeah. Um. Yeah, makes sense. So we've both got a loss down for OSU. So next up, Arkansas State. We've got two weeks off in between these mm-hmm. games. Arkansas State, also away game. Um, not sure what city they're in. Don't know off the top of my head either. I can name like three cities in Arkansas. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but maybe that's not true. Arkansas like State. Fort yeah. Smith, uh, Fayetteville, Little Rock, Hot Spring. Okay. I can name more than four, but okay. I also have no clue where they are. Not sure if that's any of those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they are a good team. They've had winning records 
for the last like six years or something like that. I can't remember what it is. I saw some stat like that in the last week. Um, a good team. No joke there, especially going to their home stadium. They just played. So we do have a little bit of a sample size to talk about right here. They just played Memphis uh, yesterday, no, two days ago now. Um, and Memphis looked pretty rocky. Like they don't have Kenneth Gainwell, obviously. So that's going to, they're going to have to adjust to that. But um, Memphis, who was, you know, a 17 point favorite or something like that, they won by 13. So almost got the spread there. But sometimes they just looked pretty, pretty rough. Not sure if that was more of a opening game jitters for Memphis or if Arkansas State's legit. Um, and like we mentioned earlier in the show, this will be Arkansas State's fourth game when they play us, and it'll just be our second. So positives and negatives to that one, the negatives being, um, for us at least, that they will have much more game experience under their belt. The positives being we have two weeks to repair, and hopefully our entire team is fully healthy uh, by then. But you never know with COVID going on. Who knows? But uh, I do have this chalked up as a win. I'm going to give us the win. I, I am being optimistic in this in my poll here. Uh, so I'll talk about that, I guess, at the end. But I do have this being a win. I think it'll be a close one, though. Yeah, so Arkansas State went 8-5 and five last year. Um, they're kind of a fringe Sunbelt contender. Um, I mean, it's like uphill because you still have App State and uh, Georgia Georgia State or Georgia? No, Georgia Southern, mm-hmm. um, right? Yes. And then you I mean, have yes. somebody else in the mix there. But um, so they're not like a team just to sleep on. But I also have this as a win uh, just because. So I did, I went through and I pulled together just all the S&P rankings mm-hmm. um, for. And so Arkansas State is, they have, they're the worst S&P ranked defense that we play. Um, they're like, what is it, like 36 point, 30, 35. <laughs> no. Yeah, 36. I was right the first time. <laughs> I just couldn't read it. Um, so like 36 points is what they'd be expected to, to give up on like an average game. And so because of that, I think that we'll win because I think it'll be an offensive yeah. kind of battle. And so. Cool. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, next up we have no weeks off. Okay. So now we're kind of on a next, like a normal schedule. I guess we have a bye week maybe after UCF, but yeah, next up is UCF. That's on October 3rd. Um, that's, I have that as a loss. UCF I, is in my opinion, will win the conference this year. Uh, they're going to you know, try to get revenge on us for the for the upset we pulled on them at home last year. This is at their home stadium. Obviously, home field advantage is going to be less of a thing this season with uh, 25% capacity or whatever Central Florida and the rest of the conference is doing. Um, but I've, I've got this one as an L. Yeah. Um, so I know we've been Central Florida's script tonight for the last couple of years, which is hilarious because they get so ticked off when they lose to lowly Tulsa. For sure. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean... It's going to be in Orlando. It's going to be at sea level. And we all know that Central Florida just could not handle the 800 feet of elevation <laughs> last year at Tulsa. They're fighting amongst each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, they were fighting amongst. Yeah. What just, a mess that game was. Yeah. Uh, they were fighting against legal plays in yeah. football. Um, but, yeah, I also think Central Florida is going to win this game this year. And it makes me sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I mentioned, I guess it's a bye week next, so we don't play again until the 17th of October, but that is finally our first home game versus Cincinnati. And this is the one, so I was thinking through last year, I was like, okay, we got, you know, the crazy win over UCF. I'm going to pick a crazy home win over another good team. This is the, this is the team I think we have the best chance of beating at home. That's like in the upper echelon of the conference. Um, so I'm going to chalk this one up as a win. I think this will be the big upset of the season for us. Um, since he, lost some big time of like of the limited amount of offensive firepower they had last year they lost some really solid players 
Uh, Michael Warren at running back, one of the I think he's like possibly Cincinnati's all-time leading rusher. If I, I think I saw some Bearcat account tweeting about that. Um, they lost their second leading receiver in Malik Mboge. I don't know how you say his last name. And then their tight end, Josiah DeGuara, I think is in the NFL now, uh, or at least he's on a practice squad or something. And then Desmond Ritter, like I mentioned, I think he's good, uh, but I think he's pretty overrated. Or at least he, I don't even know if people think he's he's that good. I mean, he leads one of the best teams in the conference. I just don't think he's, uh, he's not like a, a slinger uh, that's going to just kill you in the passing game. Um, so I think, you know, their defense will be as good as ever, I'm sure. The, that's been their calling card forever, similar to Temple. Um, but I think we get the win over Cincinnati. That's my uh, that's my biggest upset prediction in this list. Mm. I uh, I would still view this as a loss. Um, part of that is just like looking back at last year, like this is a game where we had one, two, three fumbles. We had two intercepts, like lots of turnovers against Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, like, And yet the game was still kind of close because their offense couldn't do much. I don't really think that's going to be the case this year um, just because I think our defense has regressed a little bit, and I think their defense is going to be just as just as strong against our literally – it's almost like the same matchup, like yeah. defense versus offense from last year. And so right. I think their defense was strong enough to outlast our offense, and I think that's going to be the case. But I think it'll be close. I don't think it'll be like – I'm sure the spread will be like 10 points plus uh, just because I – then everybody always i feel like undervalues tulsa <laughs> mm-hmm. uh i think it'll be a one score game but i think we'll lose yeah totally fair uh i could i could absolutely see that happening um next up is usf the next week uh we go to south florida to tampa bay um they've got a new coach in jeff scott coming from clemson their offensive coordinator there uh possibly a new quarterback jordan mcleod started the majority maybe the majority he took over as the starter at some point for whoever that quarterback who i really don't like i can't remember his name though whoever started the season last year for for usf who was like the five-star guy but was always bad um jordan mcleod took over for him they're they're in a qb battle right now we don't know anything about five-star quarterbacks that like (laughs) not being really great chad president was a four-star was he yeah yeah uh that's why i said we don't know anything (laughs) you're right um but yeah they've just got a lot of new pieces coaching and personnel wise and they were seriously bad last year um so i'm gonna i'm gonna hope that the that the new coach doesn't pull everything together in half of one season and is good enough to beat uh our our hopefully very powerful tulsa offense and pretty solid tulsa defense so i've got this one as a win uh i also have it as a win this is one of two teams that we are better than projected (laughs) offense and defense um and so I think we're this will be the ECU game of last year is what we do to USF. But I mean there are unknowns like there you see South Florida like their Twitter base is kind of talking about like yeah we could be bad we could be decent we don't really know anything. Yeah. And so um, this is a team I'm worried about in the future just because I think their like new coach is going to be really good <laughs> yeah, going right. forward. I mean you get somebody from the Clemson system that's mm-hmm. probably going to be good for you. Yeah. Uh, but not this year. Yep. Not this year. Very nice. All right, next up, another another week in a row, we've got another home one versus East Carolina. Um, we've talked about East Carolina plenty, I think, during this episode. Uh, powerful passing attack, very bad defense, pretty rocky running game. Um, so I assume this will be another high-scoring game, but I've got the win over East Carolina. Uh, I, I'm pretty confident in that one. Yeah, we're pretty much, I would say, we're pretty comparable um, offensively, and then our defense, we're like probably three or four points better than them on average so this is gonna be a win i think aylers and it's nice that like they're big like having their quarterback be their best part of their offense is great because yes. we can stop or contain quarterbacks enough they don't really have a run game 
that will help us a lot. Yep. And this is another one we win. Yep. I think it's just a perfect matchup for our kind of game. Uh, next is Navy. We play them November 7th. That is at Navy in Annapolis. Um, I've got it all as a loss. I just don't think we're ever going to beat Navy ever again. <laughs> I just don't think it's going to happen. So I've got I've got it as a loss here. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if it was – I saw something like a, something on Twitter for Army that they can kind of have fans in attendance because everybody on at the service academies is like, that's a bubble. Oh, there um, you go. And so they can even have like the Naval cadets there possibly. And, I mean, I always point this out because, you know, back in 2016 when we lost to Navy on that stupid penalty – that wasn't a penalty. Um, yeah. Or like when they blew the whistle before so we... 2016, right? Yeah, because we would have won the conference. Yeah. Uh, no big deal. Um, that was the Saturday before Veterans Day, and this game is the Saturday, Saturday before Veterans Day. <laughs> you, can't, you can't play at a service academy. Dude, we that. always get them around then, That's, too. Yeah, so yeah, I have this as a loss. Yeah. Uh, and because Navy runs. Yeah. And we don't stop It's going to be a mess, as usual. Yep. Uh, okay, next up is SMU, and... This is another one. I, I think we're going to beat them. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I, I think they, of all the teams in the conference, especially after watching them on Saturday play Texas State, they looked like kind of bad. Like, I don't know. Maybe Texas State is way better than they were deemed to be preseason. Uh, but SMU looked rough. Like Shane Bouchelle looked not great. It took, it took a while for them to start clicking. I didn't watch the entire game, but I saw bits and pieces. Um, and then I read about it later on and it just looked, it looked pretty, pretty ugly. Uh, James Prochet and Xavier Jones are gone. They're leading wide receiver and running back from last year. Obviously, Reggie Robertson is back for them at receiver, and that guy's a, that guy's a stud. Um, but I think they are like similar to us again, like East Carolina is a little bit. Obviously, SMU's kind of different level than East Carolina, but uh, I think that we come in with a lot of chip, like a big chip on the shoulder from blowing last year's dominant performance against them through three quarters. And I think that's a realistic win. I, I would, I'd put it at, you know, obviously I have it chalked up as a win. So over a 50% chance in my mind, but I think it could really happen. Yeah. So SMU is projected to be the second strongest offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, barely. They're like just a little bit under central Florida in that regard uh, from the conference. And so um, I think a lot of it, I feel like the metrics don't show Tulsa as strong of an offense as we actually will be. Yeah. Um, for some reason, and then I think their like defense were pretty comparable to SMU. So I think um, this is going to be a shootout of a game, and I think that a shootout at home is something that we can win. So I also would view this as a win. Nice. And yeah, like another thing, similar to East Carolina, they have a great passing attack with the rushing game, at least against Texas State, and kind of what they were worried about pregame when I was reading about you know big questions for SMU and stuff was the running game, and it really didn't show out against Texas State. So I'm that's that's definitely good. The worse the running game is, is better for us. Yeah, and what was that like? SMU was twenty point, twenty one point favorites yeah, against Texas. Twenty one, I think. And they lost by, or they won by seven. Seven. Yeah. Like they gave up twenty four points to Texas State, which I will say I don't really know if Texas State's supposed to be good this year. Yeah. But I think we can put up more than twenty four against right. SMU if that if that's the case. Yeah. Real quick, you know, I so I mentioned when we were watching the game that Isidore guy. Mm-hmm. There was something to Isidore, and I was like, I remember that name. Why do I remember this name? I realized that yes, last night um, he committed. He was no, not committed. He's like top two. He's a corner, I think, for mm-hmm. Texas State. His top two were Tulsa and Texas State. He ended up going there, so that's where that came from. Anyways, um, next up is Tulane, and I have this one as a loss for us. It's at home against Tulane. I just don't think we're gonna get them. I think that their style of offense is too run heavy for us to be able to stop. We just we've had trouble with them a lot over the last several years. 
Um, their offensive coordinator, Will Hall, when we talked to the Fear the Wave guys last year, uh, broke that down a little bit for us, and I really like what he's doing over there. They do some crazy stuff on offense. It's really kind of bizarre, and I really like what they do. Um, they just ran all over us last season. So I think that's probably going to happen again. They have some absolute ballers back at running back. Um, so I'm, I'm worried about that one. I think that's going to be a loss. Um, so similar to your Cincinnati game, this is the one that I was like, ah, there's no really reason why I feel this way. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I, not, that's not to say that you don't have reasons for Cincinnati, but yeah. just, uh, I, this is the one I kind of like that we steal. Like Tulane is on the up and up as a program. Uh, and like you said, they have strong running. Um, our offense, I think is going to be better than theirs. I think we have the better passing game and I think that we can run up the score. And as you know, say what you will for home crowds. I mean, really doesn't matter this year, like mm-hmm. or any year. I feel like there's not really that much of a home field advantage at the University of Tulsa. Uh, the crowds are generally not packed. <laughs> so, um, be that as it may, I I think this is a game we steal. Nice, very cool. And then our last game of the year is an away game. So Tulane is our last home game. So that'll be senior night also. So that's a you know, I think that probably helps. But sometimes I feel like it gets in their head. Anyway, so I want to get into that. The last game of the season is at Houston. Um, and this is a tough one. This is the one I spent the most time on uh, trying to make my pick here because Houston's a weird case, right? Obviously, they redshirted a ton of their players last year. A lot of their like big-time starters didn't play uh, in order to save another year of eligibility. Um, out of that, they lost their, obviously, headliner uh, quarterback, De'Eric King. He transferred to Miami where he's expected to just light it up for the Hurricanes. I don't know if you saw this tweet where he had like six touchdowns in a practice scrimmage for them. Yeah. Unbelievable, yeah. Um, so their starting quarterback is going to be this dude. He played for him last year, Clayton Toon, and he was pretty mediocre last year. Uh, 106 of 179, 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Um, so he'll be, you know, assume that he'll be a little bit better this season as well, kind of inheriting the program as his own this time, instead of backing up Derek King after he opted out after four games. Um, the big question is their, the biggest question, I guess, is their defense, which was just God awful last year. It was 113th out of 130 in total team defense. Um, they had some people redshirt there. So, you know, we'll see a lot of their defense also returns this season. So you got to expect they'll be better. Uh, also, I just don't really like Dana Holgerson. I don't really, I, I just want to watch him lose to Tulsa. So I, I really hope that that happens. Um, they do have plenty of weapons who are coming back. Marquez Stevenson at wide receiver, uh, two big running backs and Kyle Porter and Mulba Carr. They'll all be back. They'll have a ton of power. It's going to be tough to beat them. They're not going to be bad at all. Um, but it is the last game of the year. I think Monty gets out of there with the win, and we get six wins on the season for me. Okay. And a 10-game season. I have it. Um, I have it as a loss. Um, similar to why I think we'll beat SMU at home. Uh, we're pretty, like, we're fairly close offensively, especially when you factor in the Matt Rec team. Our offense is underrated factor <laughs> into it. Um, and then relatively close. They're, they're a little few points better than us on defense. Um and so, yeah, like we'll beat SMU because we'll win a shootout at home. I think Houston will win at yeah. their house. Um, it's just kind of funny. I feel like has there like any like like Houston as a program generally like no nothing against, but it's like their coaches all just seem like dicks. Calvin Sampson, you're not you're not a Sampson fan. No, well, sorry on the football football, football okay. sides for the last couple of years. Gotcha. Because you have yes, like Major Applewhite had the whole beef. Um, Issue with that with that damn jacket, <laughs> yeah. and then you have like all the stuff that came out last year. Tom Herman before Tom him. Tom Herman is like the definition of like. I mean, he was, he was part of that Ohio State program when they were like, yeah, shitty. He's flipping off recruits at Texas. Yeah. Oh god, all well, kinds I, of stuff. Oh, it gets like 
grievously offended <laughs> if you do horns down like, like you like spit yeah. on his mother's grave like, i know but, weird though because i like houston's program just though, like as a school. yeah like, they're fun to watch for I sure i like them being in our conference so. yeah absolutely absolutely cool okay so what was your final record you, did you have five four and, and six five and five five and five okay so five and five i had us at six and four i mean those are both i, I feel like with a 10 game season where you lose two of your most winnable games if either of those happen that's a win that's you know check the box that's a good season for us um, because it's, you know, the, the Americans got a lot of talent this year. Uh, they did last year as well. It's just going to be tough, especially with Oklahoma State on the schedule. And Arkansas State's not an easy non-conference game either. So 5-5 five and five or 6-4, and four, uh, those are the final results of your Matt and Ryan countdown here. Um, so, yeah, super looking forward to that. And that's kind of the wrap-up of the um, kind of offense, I guess, just football preview in general. Um, let's see. Okay, I think we're going to call it quits there. I don't know how Matt's editing this week, so I'm not sure how much you're going to be able to cut this down. But we are at currently a minute or an hour and 14, so we'll see where this actually ends up after some edits and stuff. But I feel like that was a good episode. I mean, we, we cut it, you know, it was... don't think we spent too much time on any particular subject. You got to get a good preview in there, yeah, you know? No, so. we, uh, I feel like we went pretty quickly around everything. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to talk about. I that. know. I felt like I was talking a mile, like a mile a minute, so whatever. Um but yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it there. Um, if you like the show, please do share it on Twitter, tell a friend about it, um, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. All those things really help us out, help other people find the show. Uh, if you listen to other podcasts, everybody says this all the time, so I'm sorry that I also say it, but it's true. Uh, if you want to support us, you can find a couple of different ways to do that, both of which are on our website. You can just go to thegoldenhurricast.com/support, and finally, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at goldenhurricast. Or you can send us an email at thegoldenhurricast at gmail.com. And also, uh, we put a blog post out this last week about the uh, American Conference preseason poll with Tulsa being pegged at ninth. And so we write about kind of how we think about that and why I think we're going to finish in the top six of the conference this year. So go check that out. Um, That's at thegoldenhurricast.com slash blog. And thank you for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. Stay golden. Oh, shit. I didn't think about my thing. Damn.